The moment I enjoy most is when I first begin scanning the masses, when I first lay eyes on my target and they know not that they are being watched. They act without thought, smile without agenda, laugh as though not a soul is listening. I know what this must sound like. It sounds disconcerting. I am aware, but I am by nature disconcerting. There are moments in which I can be delightful too. I speak many languages. I have traveled the world twice over. I can sing the entirety of Verde's Aida without the need of sheet music. Do I not deserve a modicum of consideration for these and many other achievements? I would like to think so, though I know it is to be impossible. Demons should not be granted the indulgence of men. So saith man, at least. That's a quote from The Beautiful by Renee Adier. This is YA Book Chat, and I'm your host, Leah Stuhler. Hi, I'm Bethany Finger, the host of Prince Kai Thampod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. Join me every week during my read-along journey through all of the books by author Marissa Meyer, one chapter at a time, spoiler-free. Each episode will feature a different guest, new fan art, and laughter and joy through reading. You can find Prince Kai Fanpod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other listening platforms. And now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of YA Book Chat. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. And I would especially like to say thank you to my Patreon members for helping support my podcast. And I have a brand new Patreon, Bethany from the Prince Kai Fan Pod. So I just want to say thank you to her. And today I'm excited. We are going to be talking about the book, The Beautiful by Renee Adie, I'm not really sure how to pronounce her name. Sorry, Renee, but um, I am excited to do this, and I have a special guest with me today, and her name is Heather. Hi, Heather. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Um, it's really nice to have you here. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? My name is Heather. I'm from New Jersey. Um, I'm an avid book reader. Um, I love reading books, um, you know. I hope to make like a being author author one day, um, you know, starting a manuscript of my own. Um, nice. So that's a little bit about me. That's really cool. I love that. I always love hearing about um, people who are trying to write novels themselves. I'm not, that's not my thing, but I am definitely an admirer of those who do it. So that's really fantastic. I hope that um, that all comes together for you. Thank you. All right. Um, well, so like I said, we are going to talk about the book, The Beautiful, today. And I'm very excited about this book for multiple reasons, which I can't wait to talk to you guys about. Um, but first, let me just give you kind of a brief overview, spoiler free, to start us off. So it is the year 1872, and we're in the city of New Orleans. And 17-year-old Celine Rousseau has just arrived in New Orleans after fleeing her life in Paris as a dressmaker. She is taken in by the sisters of the Ursuline convent in the middle of the carnival season. And Celine is very quickly enraptured by the city from its music and its soirees and even the dangerous aspects of it. 
she very quickly uh, becomes involved with the city's glitzy underworld, which is known as Le Cour de Lyon, which I'm not very good at French, but hopefully that was right, or also called the Court of Lions, after she catches the eye of the group's leader, Sebastian St. Germain. But then the body of one of the girls from the convent where she's living is found in Sebastian's lair. And she's actually the second girl to turn up dead in just a few weeks. So Celine is battling her attraction to Sebastian, but also suspicious that he might be guilty. But she's also bearing shame of her own horrible secret that she harbors. Well, then there's a third murder, and New Orleans becomes gripped by the terror of a serial killer on the loose, one who now has Celine set in his sights. And as the murderer begins to stalk her, she finally decides to take matters into her own hands, only to find herself caught up in the midst of an age-old feud between the darkest creatures of the night, where the price of forbidden love is her life. So it's a very fun story, one that I enjoyed very much. So um, Heather and I are going to just chat first about our overall thoughts, and we're going to talk spoiler-free for a little while, and then I will let all of you know when we are going to go into our spoiler section. So Heather, you're my guest, so I'm going to let you go first. What, what were your overall thoughts of the book? Tell me what you enjoyed about it, or maybe if you, there was anything you didn't like. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, you know, I'm very into the um, fantasy world and, you know, talk of, you know, vampires mm-hmm. or, you know, what, you know, what have you, you know, ghosts, whatever. I love the supernatural. Um, I love that, you know, um, the Celine character, she was very vivacious and she was very, you know, she, she this quiet girl, I'm going to be, you know, very bold and I'm going to follow my own rules. And, you know, I loved the romance between her and Bastion. It was, it was beautiful. You know, the, you know, the looks, you know, on the alleyway, and um, I just, and I loved everything else that before the book. It was a very awesome book. I- yes, her, uh, her writing style was very good. I agree. I really enjoyed her writing. It felt, it was very suspenseful and really grabbed you and pulled you in. Um, I also really liked that it was set in 1872, uh, versus present day, because I felt like that just added, um, it just adds another really creative and unique element to the story. And then, because, and she describes too, like Celine talks about her corset and how, you know, she has to pull her corset string very tight. And so you just get a very good visual of um, that time period as well and what that was like and the clothes, the way they dressed, the way they talked, all the, um, the things that they did. So I really liked how she said it in that world. And then of course it's during the carnival season. So that makes it really festive and fun and all the more intriguing and mysterious. I really felt like having it be carnival season helped kind of pull into the mystery of it. And I don't know about you, um, but I, so I really enjoyed that she kind of kept 
the creatures a mystery. Like she didn't really, I mean, you kind of get the sense of, okay, one of them is probably a vampire, but it's, she kind of does it in a very sly, subtle way. You know what I mean? Do you, did you feel that way too? Yeah, the, but they, you know, they, she did late on that they all had their, they had those gifts, uh, like Odette had her own gifts to see the future, you know, so there's something mystical and mysterious going on with them, you know, whether they're vampires or witches or whatever they are, you know, she never let on exactly what they are, but she said, these people have these gifts. Yeah, I liked that. It just, it made it more suspenseful and more, um, mysterious and made me want to keep reading to keep finding out more. And I actually, um, I feel like I've had this thing where I, I've read different books about vampires and I've, I, <laughs> this is going to sound silly. I want, like, I want to enjoy them. I really do. But I feel like I've never really found a good vampire book or vampire series that I have really fully enjoyed and felt drawn into. I've definitely had one where I didn't even finish it because I thought it was so horrible. Uh, I had a series that I read where I read all six books in the series, but I was just kind of like, eh, this is probably two or three books too many. Like you probably could have written this in only three books and it would have been fine. Like, I mean, it was okay, but so I feel like I keep trying, but I haven't gotten pulled in yet, but this one worked for me. And I think part of that was because it was not a blatantly obvious vampire story. You know, it was very, mm-hmm. it was a lot more subtle. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. And that was something that I really like. I think it's fun too <laughs> that Sebastian is kind of like the bad boy you know, and Celine is staying at this convent and she comes off as kind of this like goody, goody girl for a while. I mean, except, you know, that she has this huge secret. Once you find that out, then you realize, okay, well, but before we know what that is, she just, because she's staying at the convent and she has, you know, they have to be like so careful, but then there's Sebastian and he's like this dangerous boy. You know, I felt like that was a really good um, contrast between the two of them. Okay. Did you notice all of the Shakespeare references that were in the book? Yes. Yes. I love Shakespeare and I definitely noticed them. Me too. And I was... Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. There were quite a few. It was like Hamlet, Romeo and Juliet. It even references Twelfth Night and his sonnets too. So there was a lot of references. It kind of makes me wonder like if the author is a big Shakespeare fan herself, or if she just felt like it would just kind of fit in. You know what I mean? I don't know. I also, um, what did you think of the chapters the of the, the mystery creature? Like, we don't know who he is for a while, until the end, really. Did you like having his, his chapters the way they were? Because the story is told in third person, but then we have his, like, first person narrative from his perspective chapters and he's kind of like this dark creature sulking in the background I don't know what did you think of his chapters how he was stalking all of the women and everything it was kind of creepy but I kind of really liked it too (laughs) I don't know what did you think yeah I thought at first I thought it was Sebastian to be honest with you I thought it was him doing it um, you know, because it was like, you know, he's this mysterious guy, you think he's a vampire, but you don't know, and he's just, you know, 
really, you know, away from people and, you know, very mysterious. And I thought it was him. So yeah. it was like, it was definitely, definitely like, when you find out who it really is, you're definitely like, oh, it's not him. <laughs> He's actually, you know, kind of a good guy, you know, in the story. Yeah. It was really cool. I really liked that she did that. I like, I liked having like kind of the bad guy's perspective, you know, cause you don't get that all the time. And so it's always fun to kind of see that side of things as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, I enjoyed it. All right. Um, so let's, let's move on to some more detailed in-depth discussion with spoilers. So for those of you listening, if you have not yet read The Beautiful and you do not want it spoiled for you, then I suggest you stop listening here and then read the book and listen to the rest of the episode after you have read the book. Or of course, if you've read the book already, please continue listening. And if you just don't even care about spoilers, then by all means, please keep listening. All right. So Celine's secret, she carries around this huge secret and it just, it ends up being that she has this man who she killed. <laughs> and at first you're like, she killed somebody and you don't know why. And so it seems like, how did this young, like 17 year old girl kill somebody? But then you find out it's because he was like raping her. He was trying to rape her. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Like it's self-defense, I feel like. I was like, totally, you're totally justified in that. It's okay. You know? I don't know. What did you think? Her secret. I mean, if it was set in modern times, you know, it would be self-defense. But mm -hmm. it, since it was set back in the 1800s, it's like if you, you know, He's from a high prominent family, and you know, her family's not as prominent, so she would probably be, you know, beheaded at that time, and that's mm. probably why she kept it such a secret. And how she, you know, was felt bad for herself, you know, I killed this guy, I killed this guy. What if people find out? What are they gonna think about me? But if she was in the future, it would be like, well. It was self-defense. I killed him. You know, it's not a big deal, you know. So, you know, the times kind of, you know, made it like something was bad was going to happen to her. They found out, and that's why she fled. Yeah. I actually, um, that's a good point. I haven't really thought about it too much from that perspective. I just, I guess my, you know, immediate like present day brain went to, well, it's fine. It's self-defense. What's the big deal? But I mean, it's a big deal to kill somebody. Of course, please don't <laughs> take that the wrong way. Anybody listen, but I just mean, um, yeah, but how, but thinking about the time period, you are absolutely correct. It would definitely be, a lot bigger of a deal at that point, for sure. I agree. And she, um, I really like her character a lot too. She, she just keeps saying that she wants to be like Bastion and that she wants to be somebody who commands respect. Cause like the first time she saw him, he was walking across the street and it was like, everybody stopped and let him go by, you know? And it's like, every time he enters the room, he just has this presence and commands respect from everybody. And, um, she mentions that she really wants to be that way. Do you, do you feel like she, uh, kind of achieved that by the end of the book? Um, I think she was starting to achieve that by the end of the book, but, um, you know, I feel like 
maybe she will continue to, um, you know, gain more respect um, in the books coming. I agree. I that's what I'm hoping for. Like I feel like she she started to have more respect for herself, more confidence in herself by the end of the book. But I feel like she maybe still has a long way to go. <laughs> so yeah, when she was in the nunnery, she was very like coy and shy and scared, you know, to um, you know express herself. You know, fighting with her internal self. You know, hey, you know, I'm you know, not necessarily good, but not bad, but she had like a darkness that Bastion had, you know, about commanding respect and not caring about society rules. And, you know, by toward the end of the book, I feel like she started, you know, like when she was at the the ball, when she had a black dress on, when everybody was supposed to wear white and she mm-hmm. just commanded so much, you know, attention. And she's like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be here for myself. And if nobody wants to, you know, support me, I'm going to take care of myself. Like I always have. Yeah, that was a fantastic moment. I loved that when she is wearing this black dress and everybody else is wearing the white and she walked in and did not even care and just kind of took command. That that was such a great moment in the book. I really loved that. That's one of my favorite spots. I'm glad you brought that up. That's really cool. The Court of Lions. Okay, we kind of briefly mentioned them, but I felt like so confused <laughs> by them a little bit because we get different like definitions of them, right? Because he's because Bastion kind of um, when she Selena's like she says that she feels like they're otherworldly, but she doesn't really know what they are, right? And she asks Bastion, and he kind of like beats around the bush and doesn't really tell her. And then where is it? Oh, Odette tells her, she says, they're simply illusions performed by those with skill based on like the different things that are happening when, um, Celine and is it Pippa? What's her name? What's her Mm -hmm. friend? Yeah. Pippa. Pippa. When Celine and Pippa go there for the first time to, um, measure Odette for the dress and they see all these things that they've never seen before. And Odette's like, Oh, they're just illusions, you know? And it's just funny because they're try so many different, they're described in so many different ways. And then Bastion says to her, I am flipping through my book here for my note. So Celine, Celine says, what manner of creature are the members of the court of lions? Because I don't believe any of you are human. <laughs> and I love that. And, but he just gives her this explanation. Like he says, Odette makes all things possible. Our John is a weaver of words. Nigel balances the banker's scale. Jay eliminates any dead weight. Boone finds things that wish to remain hidden. Madeline puts those things to work, all while Hortense cavorts in the background. Um, and then he says, and my love of snakes notwithstanding, I'm as human as you are, which was probably the only statement in that entire thing that was true. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he he gave her kind of like, job descriptions versus who they really are because i don't believe that either i feel like they're all different creatures too what do you think i don't want to spoil anything but um okay, well. they're definitely different, <laughs> definitely different skills yes like um you know you if you read the story odette can read the future 
you know, mm-hmm. with the prophecy that I was talking about earlier about yeah. um, Celine, um, you know, about the Court of Lions and this other group, you know, they're both going to be at her feet. Um, she's going to team, she's going to team those, both those, the rival group. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, and as the other ones, you know, definitely they have different skills and, you know, I think the truest statement without, you know, even getting to what they really are, vampires, whatever, is that definitely Bastion human. So that's yes. definitely like, you gave it away, definitely human. Yes. And he, cause even, um, cause his uncle Nicodemus says that as well, you know, he kind of confirms that. And I think Nigel confirms that too later on saying, you know, that he, that Sebastian is human, but it's, it's, so that at least is made pretty clear. Um, and just so everybody knows, Heather has read the next book in the series. I have not yet. So <laughs> she has some extra insight that I'm not privy to just yet, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm going to get there <laughs> hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so it's he's definitely human. I yeah, I definitely don't believe that any of the other of them are human by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, we find out that Nigel isn't. Okay, so Nigel ends up being our mysterious creature who's killing all the ladies and who's haunting Celine, and he's the vampire, which I loved. Um, okay, I need to ask you this. Now, don't tell me who it is, but. In the second book, is it revealed who his, like, sidekick is? Yes. Okay, good. Because <laughs> this was bugging me. I keep, like, I have my, I have an idea. And obviously, don't tell me if I'm right or wrong. But my thought is, my idea is that Michael, who's actually the, like, detective, is his sidekick. And I say that because... It seems to me like his sidekick, who's in these chapters with him, kind of has some um, inside information, and he's been around. It seems like he's been around Celine and the Court of Lions, so he would have to be. And if Nigel is the vampire, it's got to be somebody else who's involved too. But I don't feel like it's somebody else in the court. I will. I, I will give you a clue. Okay. Um, not gonna say exactly who it is, but Michael is part of the Brotherhood, as they explained in this book. Um, it is somebody in the Brotherhood okay. um, that he's working with. <sighs> I just spoke to the Court of Lions, so. Okay. <sighs> I can't wait till I can read the second book and I can find out. Mm-hmm. I kept like, that is one thing that kept bugging me. I was reading it and I'm like, who is this person? I have to figure this out. <laughs> but I, you know, <laughs> but um, I don't, I don't actually trust Michael very much. I don't know why he just rubs me the wrong way. And that's maybe why I'm also suspicious of him. I feel like he was not so nice the way that he treated Celine uh, when he first met her and he was interviewing her and asking her all the questions about the girl, the death of the girl from the convent when they were there. And then I don't know, but then at the very end of the book, after she makes her stupid deal with um, Nicodemus to forget Bastion in order to save him. When she wakes up, Michael is right there. And then he's acting all like sweet and lovey-dovey. And I'm like, I don't know about this. This just seems, seems kind of sketchy. <laughs> I don't know. When you first read this, did you kind of have that impression too? Or did you like him? Um, I kind of, um, 
it wasn't that I didn't like him. It was that, you know, in the the book, the first one, he talked about um, Bastion doing something wrong to him, um, Mm -hmm. which I forget if they explained it in this one or the next one, but he did something wrong and he's just really angry with him. So I think he's he's definitely, um, you know, really not for, you know, he's going to seem like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, really hurt hurt him in the past. Okay, all right. <laughs> but you know, he does come off as a bad guy a little bit. Um, you know, I think it's because he's angry, and but I, he also does start to fall in love with Celine. So, you yeah, know, when he's it was you know, it was hard to tell, but I thought, well, maybe he does. <laughs> I mean, his grandmother mentions it um, toward the end when, you know, she's uh, she's locked up in the police headquarters and says, you know, talking about how Michael keeps talking about this girl and, mm, you know, right. and you kind of get the gist that it's her and he's starting to fall in love with her. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Her love would be love triangle right there. Yes, that would be very interesting. Well, and especially now that she made the deal with Nicodemus and she's not going to even remember that she had feelings for Bastion. I am definitely curious to see how that's going to go in the second book because, oh, that was really frustrating. Like I got it because she wanted to save him, you know, and of course, like it's losing your memory of them probably seems very minuscule in comparison to saving that person's life. You know, this person who you have feelings for. So she, by all means, made the right choice. I agree. I just, it's just frustrating because now I think, but no, I want them to be together. How is this going to come back in the second book? Or am I going to be disappointed and she ends up with Michael? I don't know. You know, but I don't know. Oh, man. Speaking of, actually, do you know, because I haven't looked, is, it, is this just going to be a duology or is there going to be a third book? Do you know? I think there's going to be a third book because they left things in a second book. A little bit of a cliffhanger. All right. So so probably a trilogy then. All right. We'll have that to look forward to. Good. So Nigel. Okay. I, I liked how she says, the author says, well, Celine says about Nigel, evil did not look the way she'd imagined it would. I really, I really liked that quote a lot. I thought, and it's so true because just in everyday life, you know what I mean? Like we look at things and think that they're good and, and then you realize later, Ooh, that's not actually what it appears to be. And you know, and it's like that. And with people, you meet somebody, you think that they're, they could be a really great person. Maybe they just look great on the outside or whatever. And then you get to know them and you're like, Ooh, you're really a nasty person. And I don't like you, you know? So I felt like this was such an awesome revelation for Celine, but it's just a really good state life statement. <laughs> you know, evil does not look the way she imagined. I thought it was really cool. I kind of have, oh, so I guess this would be a question for you to help me with too. Although again, don't tell me what happens in the second book, but so Nigel says part of the reason that he's doing this is that he's angry about having to guard Sebastian because Sebastian's family is all dead. So he, well, except for his uncle, Nicodemus, but it's like, so Nigel and the court of lions are supposed to be kind of like 
their sole purpose is like to take care of Sebastian. But I feel like there's got to be more to this, right? Like he, he can't just hate him for that reason. Is there more background to this? There is more background and it's, it's more because of Nicodemus than okay. Sebastian himself. Um, okay. He's, he's the heir apparent. Um, so that's why they all have to guard him, which is in the first book, they, you know, they mentioned that, you know, he's mm-hmm. the heir apparent. He's the last human, um, you know, in his line, you know, Nicodemus's line, he's the last human. So he's the heir to everything. So right. they need to guard him and some people are get tired of serving, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense. You know, you do something long enough. Sometimes you just get tired of it, especially if you feel like maybe there's no benefit to you anymore. It just gets exhausting or you don't like the person or the, you know, the situation that you're in. And obviously there's a big um, problem, you know, a big conflict between the fallen and the brotherhood. So, yeah. And there's definitely a surprise person in the next book is was part of the reason why Nigel did what he did his sidekick mm. um, very close to the um the Nicodemus and Sebastian family. Ooh, that sounds very someone you thought that was someone that you thought died. Well in this actually in this book it's is it Nicodemus's sister or Bastion it's Bastion's sister, isn't it? Who they thought was dead, but then like there's a chapter with her and she's like a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's Sebastian's sister. Yeah, there's there there's a yeah. They thought she they thought she was dead, and they're hinting that she became a um a werewolf. A um werewolf. Yep. Yep. Emily Lelou, an immortal wolf howling at the moon. She says, I became who I was always meant to be. Emily A. Lou in a moral wolf howling at the moon, ready for whatever may come. It's, you know, and it's funny. It's just this like, it's at the end of, that is at the end of the book. It's just this like tiny little, like two pages stuck there. And then that's it. And then it's the end. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. What are you doing to me, Renee? Like you just stick this short little two-page thing towards the end and then just leave that hanging there. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I guess we're going to get some werewolves in the second book. That's what that sounds like to me, at least. I don't know. So actually, somebody did tell me before that that happens. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> okay. The... And I'm going to say this wrong. <laughs> I'm going to say this. The Carthinogen? Carthinogen. Carthage. The symbols from Carthage that Nigel leaves for Celine. I feel like, okay, he left these symbols. He's like, they're from Carthage. She, it says like that she lies to him and says she doesn't understand what they mean. But it, she does know what they mean. But I was confused. So either I missed somewhere what they meant or it wasn't made 100% clear. Which one did I do, Heather? <laughs> um, yeah, she, um, her father is a scholar and she does know what the language means. But then, you know, she does act like it does. She doesn't know what she, it means because I think maybe she gets a little afraid, you know, mm-hmm. that maybe well, she can be implicated in the murders. 
Well, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And plus then Nigel comes out of nowhere and she thought that he was dead. So that would be pretty scary. I'd lie in that moment too if I were her. <laughs> this crazy man. I mean, he talks about, because Nigel talks about how like he's very, in, he says he's very intrigued by her and he senses death about her and he has us like, he's like obsessed with her. I feel like it's partially because of Bastion and his family and like maybe wanting to, um, to injure him in that way by getting to the girl who Sebastian is falling in love with. But at the same time, I also just think he's kind of just obsessed with Celine because he can, like it says, he can sense that death about her. Like she has, I mean, her secret of killing somebody, you know, he's kind of creepy, <laughs> but yeah, he is a little creepy, but I guess, you know, vampires are creepy dudes. So whatever, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> It's fine. I was trying to figure out Nicodemus a bit too, because we don't really, we hear about him, but we don't really see him until more towards the end of the book. And he, I don't know, he kind of bothered me a little bit. I know there's going to be a lot more there, I'm sure, with the second book, but it was just kind of like he swoops in and he's like, no, Celine, you have to stay away from Sebastian. He's the only human left. I have to protect him. You cannot be with him. Go away. And it's kind of like, um, you just came on the picture. Who are you to do this? I don't know. What did you think about Nicodemus? You know, they mentioned in the book about, you know, this Winterlands um, that, you know, that somebody, a rich man came over from, to the Winterlands. I think it's called the Winterlands and paid his way to be a vampire and now he's a king and I feel like even though they didn't mention the second book either I feel like that's Nicodemus um okay. and he's the reason why they're they are away from this winterlands mm. um you know everything is his fault and a lot of people are angry with him for this and he's you know very evil that would make sense I mean yeah if you if you do something like that and you kind of ruin something for your whole uh, people group, <laughs> I could see why people would hate you <laughs> and you'd be considered the bad guy. So it's almost like it's I almost feel like we have two bad guy groups kind of fighting against each other. Like I don't really know who the good guy is in this situation. That's kind of because I feel like I don't with this first book. Um, I felt like, you know, she painted us this picture of what was happening in Celine's story and Sebastian, Sebastian's story, but we don't really have all of the background. We don't have all the pieces to the puzzle. You know, I feel like there's a lot of pieces to the, like, maybe we have the outside edge of the puzzle done, but there's a lot of the inside that's missing, <laughs> you know? So I feel like, it could go so many different ways from here, which is why for me, one of the reasons I really enjoyed it because I felt like it was really intriguing. I liked, like for some people, I feel like that could be really annoying not having all those puzzle pieces. But for me, um, I felt like it was really intriguing and it kept me um, interested. It kept me more interested. I feel like um, Nicodemus is the ultimate bad guy in every you know, the sins that he did, um, you know, everybody in the court alliance is paying for and Sebastian's paying for and this other group, which we're gonna, we're gonna say, you know, someone mentioned, you know, werewolves, 
they're werewolves, obviously, and, mm-hmm. and you know they're angry with him as well. And you know everybody is just you know trying to get revenge on Nicodemus. And the Court of Lions is stuck in the middle. I feel mm-hmm. like. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I it's going to be interesting in the second book. Well, you already know, but <laughs> when I get there. <laughs> I do. I did notice too. One thing that um, Nicodemus said was that love is an affliction to our kind. So, like you know, he says that to Celine. Like, but what was interesting to me is he's saying that to her, as in like whatever kind of creature he is, you know, and the vampires and whatever. That love is a bad thing for them, and it can kind of cause their downfall, which seems to actually be kind of a theme in a variety of vampire books that I've read. Um, But here's my thing with that. Sebastian is a human. He's not a creature. So is it just not necessarily that love is bad for him, but like the threat of him, like if he's in a relationship with somebody, with a human, um, like could that threaten the family? You know what I mean? And the court. I feel like he's, I feel like Nicodemus is jealous and he wants to keep mm. him for himself. That's good. That could be too. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. And that he can't, he can't admit that he loves, um, you know, Sebastian and he can't admit that because to him, like you said, love is a weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Why, why is that? Like, I feel like all these vampire stories I've read, this is what happens. <laughs> They're like, we can't, I can't be in love with you because of this. This is a weakness. And I'm like, why? You're still a vampire. You can be happy and be in love, right? Like, why does it have to be a weakness? I don't know. I think vampires are painted as, you know, these evil creatures and, you know, they got to take their power through, you know, killing people or threatening people. You know, mm-hmm. they, they are these evil creatures are very misunderstood in a lot of books. They're painted yeah. as these really evil creatures. That is true. They are. And I mean, th- so one series that I read, um, it was like there were two types of vampires. So there were like good vampires, but then there were vampires who were really nasty and mean and would just kill just because, and they were evil and like, the bad vampires. So, but then they're like, the other vampires like, well, we're not like that. You know, we'll drink from somebody, but we're not going to kill them. (laughs) And we only drink from them if we have their permission. Like they had designated humans who their sole purpose was to provide blood for the vampire. Mm -hmm. But they were fine with it. So I I don't know. (laughs) But I I mean, I have read other stories where it was like, yeah, the vampire is just pure evil, but I don't know. And it's always, it does, and it does always kind of seem like it's taboo. No matter what kind of book I read, it's like it's taboo for a vampire to have a relationship with a human. I mean, in this case, it would be Celine and Bastion are both humans, but yeah, I don't know. It's always like it's taboo. It's not okay for a vampire and a human to be together do you find that in the stories that you read in this one i did find that out and a lot of stories except for like 
um, you know, some of the, um, you know, some of the shows that you watch and stuff, like Vampire Diaries and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. You know, there's romance between humans and vampires. And so it just, it just depends on how the writer wants to, you know, write, write the vampires. And, but it, the theme is they're evil, they're blood drinkers, you know. Yeah. They're, they're corrupt, you know. Yep. Which I think is unfair, you know. I do too. I mean, vampires, I'm, you know, sure there are good vampires. Why can't some of them be good? Well, I mean, like I said, that one book series I read, there were some good ones. I wish for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. Shoot. Um, it's written by Rochelle Mead. See, I remember that now. And it was um, the, actually, yeah. it was actually the a spinoff. Academy? No, it was the one after that. It was a spinoff of that one. Because she did Vampire Academy, which I actually never read. But somebody had sent me, um, like, the first two books in this next series, which was a spinoff of Vampire Academy. Oh, shoot. Okay. Okay, well, I'm going to look it up, and then I'll put a link to it in the show notes for everybody. Because <laughs> I have it. It's just on the tip of my tongue. Um Anyways, yeah, so I think, I think vampires sometimes do get a bad rap, too. But I am very, very intrigued to find out about the second, what happens in the second book. So can you um, tell me and everybody listening, like, a brief, spoiler-free synopsis of what the second book is about? So um, in the beginning, it does start off a little, like, slow. So it's like, in the beginning, I kind of was, like, you know, dragging through the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it starts to get really exciting. Um, we know that she has amnesia and there's a love triangle between Sebastian and Michael that still grows a little bit more with, you know, Michael in the lead a little bit, taking care of a Celine, like he's at the end of the book, mm-hmm. toward the end of the book. And, um, you know, then there's some more with Sebastian and more romance. Um, you find out, you know, why Nigel did what he did. And, you know, who was behind this? Uh, you find out more about their brotherhood. And, um, you know, there's werewolves, like you said. There's werewolves in the next book. Um, you find out more about the, the world that these vampires and werewolves came from. And you find out more about Celine. Um, there's a secret about her um, that even she didn't know. Um, Spoiler is about, we find out about her mother. Um, You find out, I'm not going to give anything else away, but (laughs) you find out about her mother and how she ties in more to the line of the courts. um, And how she's, you know, it was destiny that she was drawn to them no matter what. So, and you find out why. Hmm. And drawn to the Batman. Oh, okay. I am very, very much more intrigued now. I'm very excited. I I feel like there's going to be a lot more puzzle pieces coming in this one and it's going to be fun. It sounds really good. I'm going to need to get on that soon. My problem is I just have like a stack of books <laughs> to get through. <sighs> yeah, right now I'm reading the inheritance games. I'm in that book right now. It's pretty good. Hmm. Who's that by? It is by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Okay, cool. I've not heard of that one. I am in the middle of reading both Ash Princess by Laura Sebastian and Instant Karma by Marissa Meyer. Although by the time 
when this episode comes out, I should have finished Instant Karma at least. <laughs> um, and then I think after the two of those, I think next is The Starless Sea. Is what okay, I'm yeah. next. Because I have not yet read that one either. So, yes. But, and then, um, yeah. All right. Well, good. Uh, did you have any other thoughts or anything else you wanted to share about the book? If you like this book, I would read the second book. Just be very patient with it in the beginning because, you know, toward the, toward the middle and the end, it's going to be, like, really, really awesome. You're going to be like, you're not going to want to put it down. You're going to read the rest of it within a couple hours. Oh, that it's sounds so good. Through the beginning. I hate that. <laughs> but it's fine. I'll do yeah. it. I'm sure it'll, it sounds like it'll be really worth it just to get through just to suffer through that. So, all right, good. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Heather, so much for coming on here today and talking about this book with me. I had been really wanting to cover this book for a long time. So um, I was very excited when you said that you would do it with me. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Of course. And thank you everybody for listening. And um, you can check the show notes for, I will link to this book from today and that other vampire series that I was talking about that I cannot for the life may remember the name of. <laughs> All of that will be there for you in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and come back. Uh, my next episode, I'm going to be having a very special, well-known author guest on my podcast, and you are not going to want to miss it. So thank you, and we will chat again soon. Today's episode featured the book, The Beautiful by Renee Adier. Please be sure to check out YA Book Chat on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe to get your episodes as soon as they are available. And if you would be so kind, please go ahead and leave a five-star rating and a review. It really helps get the podcast noticed. And don't forget to check out YA Book Chat's brand new Patreon. There are lots of amazing perks and benefits there that you don't want to miss out on. YA Book Chat was created by, is hosted by, and edited by me, Leah Stuhler. <laughs>